Well, this morning, we're going to continue a series that we began last Sunday called Keep It Simple. Say, Keep It Simple. See, man has created a life for himself that God never intended for him to live. I believe the reason why there are so many people today that are struggling with discontentment is because they have allowed their lives to become too complicated. I, I just don't believe, and as I read the Word of God, I just don't believe that God ever intended for us to live the complicated lives that we are living, and especially uh, in our country. Uh, too many today have listened to the lies. Too many today have uh, drank the Kool-Aid. Uh, they purchased all the required stuff, you know, all, everything that we're hearing in America that we have to have in order to be happy, in order to be fulfilled, in order to be content. Got to have this and that and everything else. And, and too many today have purchased all the required stuff and they've mor- mortgaged their lives in order to pay for it. I believe it's time to stop the madness. Somebody say, stop the madness. Americans have made uh, true happiness and contentment uh, very, very complicated and possibly even out, out, out of reach. When actually, actually, I believe that, that it is very simple. I believe that there are only three things that are needed. Three things that if we do them well, these three things will produce for us the life that God intended for us to live. The life that will prove to be a life worth living. How many want a life worth living? Amen. These three things are our faith, our family, and our friends. Now, last Sunday we talked about our family. Today we're going to talk about our faith. See, God made man with an inward desire for fellowship with him. And a desire that if gone gone unmet would leave him feeling empty and incomplete. And that's where so many people are today. They are feeling empty and incomplete. In the very beginning, when God made Adam and Eve, before they sinned and before they separated themselves from God, the Bible says that God would literally come down to earth and literally walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the evening. How awesome would that See, just as children have an inward desire for a relationship with their parents, man has an inward desire to connect with his creator. Man has a natural inclination toward God that he was born with. And this inclination or predisposition was placed there by God himself who desires a relationship with his creation. Another word for this inclination or predisposition is the word that we are going to focus on today, and that is the word called faith. See, I believe that all that it takes to have a relationship with God, a relationship that I believe will go a long way in providing us the fulfillment and the satisfaction that we desperately long for is simple faith. Simple faith, not complicated faith, not not super saint faith, not some kind of a faith formula, just simple childlike faith. Well, this morning I want to give you seven statements about faith. 
seven statements about faith. The first statement I want to make is this, and that is our faith is a present. Our faith is a present. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12 and verse number 3, God has given to every person a measure of faith. So according to the Apostle Paul and according to the word of the Lord, faith is a present, a present given to man by God himself. So what does that, what does that mean? Well, it means that no one is without faith. No one is without faith. See, God didn't want us to miss him. God didn't want us to miss out on him and the wonderful fellowship that is possible to have with him. And so God gave to us, every single one of us, God gave to us a present and the present is a present of faith. So let no man use as an excuse, I don't have any faith. Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have, I, I don't have any faith. Well, man cannot say that he has no faith because God says that man does have faith. And the Bible says that man has faith because God himself has given it to us. He gave us a measure of faith. Now, whether or not we all have been given the same measure is up for debate. And I, I'm not going to debate that issue with you this morning. But hear me this morning. What really matters most is not the amount of the measure, but what really matters is what we do or don't do with the amount of the measure that we have been given. So it's not all about how much faith we've been given. It's about what have we done or not done with the faith that has been given. My first statement about faith today is this, our faith is a present. The second statement I want to make about faith this morning, and that is our faith doesn't have to be perfect. Our faith doesn't have to be perfect. In Mark chapter number 9, a man brings his demon-possessed son to Jesus in hopes that Jesus will deliver him, set him free, deliver him from the demon. But I want us to notice what the man says to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and he says to Jesus, he says, he says, have mercy on us and help us if you can. Right. Notice what he said, help us if you can. Jesus responds to the man. He says, what do you mean if I can? Jesus said, anything is possible if you believe. And the man responded and he said to Jesus, he said, Lord, I, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Did Jesus help them that day? Did this man have faith? Did he have perfect faith? Absolutely not. But he had enough faith to bring his son to Jesus. He had enough faith to ask Jesus to increase his faith. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful to know that my faith does not have to be perfect. Third thing I want to say about faith this morning is, and that is our faith has great potential. Our faith has great potential. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse number 20, Jesus said, Jesus said, if our faith is as small, as tiny, as minute, as the size of a grain of mustard seed. Jesus said, if we just have that little bitty teeny amount of faith, Jesus said, with that little mustard seed faith, we could speak to a mountain and we could tell the mountain to move and that mountain would have to obey. 
Listen, this morning, if faith as small, as tiny, as minute, as a mustard seed can do that, what limitations does faith have? Well, the answer to that, according to Jesus, is only the limits we place on it. In Matthew 17 and 20, Jesus said, if you, say if you, If you only had mustard-sized seed faith, you could speak to the mountain and say, move, and it would move. But Jesus went on to say, and, and what? And nothing would be impossible. Can you see the potential that faith has this morning? Isn't that incredible? Amen. Here's the problem. Faith's limitations are set by us. See, the reason why God doesn't do more in our life is because we do not activate our faith. Because the potential is there. The potential is there. And God's power, amen, is is powerful enough. But we must initiate the process with our faith. Faith's limitations are set by us. You know, we say, whether we say it out loud or not, but, you know, we say or we believe, well, this mountain is just too big to be moved. Yeah, this mountain is just too big to be moved. Or, well, my mountain is different. Well, you might be able to move your mountain, but if you had my mountain, you wouldn't be able to build my, move my mountain because my mountain is different, is bigger than your mountain. But actually, according to Jesus, it is not. According to Jesus, faith has the potential to move any mountain. I ask you this morning, what mountain do you need moved in your life? Maybe it is a financial one. Maybe it is a relational mountain. Maybe it is a sickness. Maybe it is a disease. Our faith has great potential, but faith's limitations are set by us. I ask you this morning, what can you believe for? What can you exercise your faith for? I ask you this morning, what is the size of your faith? Because faith has incredible potential. Well, let me make the fourth statement I have to make about faith. Aren't you glad we're moving right along this morning? I scared you with seven, didn't I? We're already on number four. Number four, our faith requires participation. Now, if you read through the many miracles that Jesus performed, you will see one particular common denominator. You will see it over and over and over and over again. And that common denominator is this. Jesus required participation in the process. See, God's not going to do everything. You're sitting around waiting for God to do everything, waiting for God to move. Well, listen, God's not going to do everything. He's going to use you in the process. There's going to require, he's going to require participation in the process of your miracle. And read about it in the scripture, whether, whether that be when Jesus turned the water into wine or when he healed the blind man or when he made the cripple to walk or even when Jesus raised the dead. See, our faith requires participation. Think about it. When Jesus turned the water into wine, he told the servants, he said, fill the water pots with water. And what did they do? They obeyed and they filled the water pots with water. Now Jesus says, now take a dipper and dip some water out of the water pots. The same water that you put in the water pot, you dip that out and you take that and you present that as wine. What you talking about, Willis? I put water in there. I can see in there. It's still water. 
How about when Jesus healed the, the blind man? He, he, the Bible says that Jesus, that Jesus took some dirt in his hands and Jesus spit. How disgusting. He spit on that dirt and he rubbed that spit and that dirt together and made mud and he put that mud that spittle mud on the on the eyes of the blind man and then he told the blind man to go to a specific pool of water and wash it off he what And how about when, about Lazarus? Lazarus, the Bible said, had been dead and he had been placed in a tomb for four days by the time that, that Jesus got there. And Jesus said to Mary and Martha, he says, roll away the stone. What? Do what, Lord? Roll away. But Lord, Lord, his body, he's been dead four days. His body has already began to decay. By this time, there's an incredible stench that's going to be unbearable. But Jesus insisted for them to roll away the stone. See, God will always involve us in our miracle. I remember years ago when I needed a financial miracle in order to build a fledgling beginner starter church in Midland, Texas. And I announced to my people that we were going to have what I was calling Miracle Sunday. And we were going to raise X amount of dollars to get started on building our first building with just a fledgling group of people and the amount that I stated that we needed to raise and we were going to raise it in one Sunday on what I call Miracle Sunday and it would absolutely take a miracle. In fact, it was such a a, a ridiculous amount for that group of people that one of my members actually figured up how many people that were in our church and how much everyone would have to give and he came by the office. I wasn't there that day. Good for him. I wasn't. And he told my secretary, he said, this pastor has gone loco. He's crazy. This is absolutely impossible. He's setting us up for failure. I asked my secretary, I said, did you not remind him? It's called Miracle Sunday. Well, as I'm praying about Miracle Sunday, and I'm asking the Lord to give us a miracle and to do the supernatural. I, I heard the voice of the Lord, not audibly, but in my spirit, I heard the Lord say to me, if you want, if you want the supernatural to happen, then you must let go of all of your natural. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, I will do the super, but only after you do the natural. And so in order for you to do the natural, you're going to have to turn loose of all your natural. And if you'll turn loose of all of your natural, then the super will be added to your natural and you will have the supernatural. You will get your miracle. Long story short, my wife and I participated in the miracle by literally emptying our bank account of all of our natural, every single penny, giving it in the miracle offering. But I want to tell you that on Miracle Sunday, God added his super to our natural, and the supernatural happened, and we got our miracle. I'm telling you, God will always involve you in the miracle. He will always involve you in the process. He's going to use your faith. Our faith requires participation.
Now, speaking about participation, lately we've had some people ask us, where do you guys need help at the Grace Place? Oh, we love it when people ask us that. It doesn't happen very often. We love it when people ask. Well, we put together a list of needs. I think you'll see them on the, on the screen. We put together a list of needs, and uh, you can also see them on the volunteer app. Uh, to get to this app, go to Church Center app. If you don't have it, scan the QR code in front of you, scroll to the bottom of the page, and click on Volunteer Application. Scroll down the page to see the volunteer opportunities and how many people we need for each ministry. How do you like the way I slipped this into this this morning? Amen. (laughs) Our faith is proven through our actions. Our faith is proven through our actions. The fifth statement that I want to make about faith this morning, that is our faith will be tested by our persistence. Our faith is going to be tested by persistence. In Joshua chapter number six, the children of Israel have finally crossed the Jordan and they're standing in their promised land. Now, if you know the story, you know the first hurdle that I have to overcome is, is Jericho. Jericho was a walled, fortified city. And God gives Joshua, their commander-in-chief, some very strange, weird, out-of-the-box instructions on how they are to conquer the city of Jericho. Well, the strange instructions go something like this. The children of Israel are to line up behind the priests. The priests are going to be carrying the ark of God. And behind the priest, they are going to march around the walls of Jericho once a day for six straight days. On the seventh day, they're going to march around the walls, not one time, but seven times they're going to march around the walls. And then on the seventh time around the walls, the priests are going to blow on their trumpets and all the children of Israel are going to shout with a loud shout. And then the walls are going to miraculously fall down. That's a wonderful children's church story. It's an incredible story, but just think about it practically. How would you like to have been Joshua? How would you like to be the person that presents this plan at the annual business meeting? We're going to do what? We're going to do it how many days? We're going to do it how many times? We're going to do it how many times on the seventh day? And we don't even get to vote on this? Hear me, people. It's one thing to have faith. It's quite another to have persistent faith. Can you even imagine what Pastor Joshua had to listen to from his people in those seven days? Can you even imagine the emails and the text messages that he must have received? I don't know, perhaps they even had an emergency board meeting. I think pastors lost it. And they have the emergency board meeting and the board says to the pastor, the people are saying... 
What do you think these people were thinking and feeling as they marched around these walls day after day and time after time and absolutely nothing was happening? Surely they began to look for at least a crack in the wall. I know I probably would have. Hey, you know, day one, day two, maybe day three might not have been too hard, but, but, but come on, come on. Surely something ought to be happening about day four or day five. Surely we should be seeing at least a hairline crack. Should we be seeing some sign? Hey, it's one thing to line up and march day one. Oh, it's one thing to march up, uh, to line up and, and, and march day two and maybe day, day three. But think about marching day after day after day and time after time after time after time and absolutely seeing that nothing is happening. Oh, uh, oh how do you maintain faith? How do you stay in faith when nothing seems to be happening? Our faith will be tested by our persistence. Our faith must override our feelings. I don't know, perhaps you're feeling a little bit like Chippy the parakeet. Well, the bird's trouble began when his owner decided to clean out his cage using a vacuum. When the phone rang, she laid down the vacuum holes in the direction of the bird as swoosh, Chippy was gone. She quickly turned off the vacuum, unzipped the bag. There was Chippy, stunned but still breathing. Seeing that he was covered with dust, she rushed him to the bathtub where she turned on the faucet full blast and held the bird under the gushing water. At that point, she realized she had done even more damage, so she quickly cranked up the blow dryer and gave the wet, shivering little parakeet a blast of hot air. It was said that Chippy didn't sing much anymore. I don't know, this morning, maybe you feel somewhat like Chippy must have felt. It's one thing, it's one thing to walk in faith when all is well. It's quite another to persist in faith when all hell has been unleashed in your direction. It's different, it's different when day in and day out and prayer and prayer and prayer and fasting and calling and on God, and, but yet we see not even a crack, a hairline crack in the wall that needs to come down. It's one thing to have faith. It's another thing to be persistent in faith. It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to keep on believing. Here's what I know this morning. If your faith is determined by your feelings, you'll be in for a roller coaster ride. Up and down and all over the place. Our faith must override our feelings. The sixth thing that I want to say about faith this morning is this. Our faith should not be presumptuous. To be presumptuous means to fail to observe the limits of what is permitted or possible. Friend, no matter how much faith we have, we will never have enough faith to override God's will. 
no matter what you confess, no matter what you command and demand, no matter how smooth and cool your faith formula might be, you'll never be able to go beyond God's will. 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 and 15 says, Now this is the confidence that we have. Oh, praise the Lord. I mean, no, it's awesome to have confidence. What is the confidence? Well, this is the confidence that we have in him, in God. That if we ask anything, say anything. anything. Oh, sounds really good so far. That if we ask anything according to my will, what I want, what I think, what I desire. No, no, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, then he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Jesus said it like this. He said, when you pray, pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Understand this this morning, God won't be forced into anything. You cannot strong arm God. I said, he's not going to be forced into anything. You're not going to confess it to the point that God finally relents and says, well, okay, have your way. You're never going to get so tricky with your faith formula that you can kind of fool God and make... No, 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 no. No, God will not be forced into anything. You cannot strong, you cannot strong arm God. And, and why would we want to? Why would we want to. As our heavenly Father, he, he, he wants what's best for us. And as God, He knows what's best for us. The seventh and last statement that I have to give you about faith is this, and that is our faith will produce a payoff. I challenge you this morning to read the entire Bible and find even one single instance where people who had faith and persisted in their faith, show me even one instance where their faith did not eventually pay off for them. It may not have turned out the way they wanted it to or hoped that it would, but there was still a payoff. Think about the 12 spies that were sent in to spy out the promised land in the book of Numbers. The Bible says that there were 10 of them that were without faith, and there were two that were powerhouses of faith. The two with faith, Caleb and Joshua, had a payoff. They entered and they enjoyed the promised land. The other 10 died in the wilderness, never experiencing what they had hoped and longed for for over 40 years. Oh, let me encourage you this morning. Keep marching. Keep believing. Remain in faith because our faith will produce a payoff. But not only in this life. No, friend, the dividends of our faith are eternal. Our our greatest rewards will be given to us on the other side of the Jordan, on the other side of our Jordan. That is our promised land. And on the other side of our Jordan is that wonderful place called heaven. 
The takeaway for the message this morning is this. Simple faith in a supernatural God will produce the significance in our lives that we all long for. Oh, all of us have an emptiness that we try to fill up, and man tries to fill up that emptiness. He tries it with this and that. He tries it with things. He tries it with money. He tries it with pleasure. He tries it with position. He tries it with power. He tries it in so many, 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 many different ways. But every time he, ends, he, he, he winds up empty and still, and still has that yearning, that discontent, that discontentment. I'm telling you this morning, we've made life too complicated. Especially in America, we've made life too complicated. We were never designed to live the complicated life. The life that God has intended for us to live is a simple life. It is a simple life. A life filled with faith and family and friends. How you doing in those areas? Oh, I know in America we have a different measuring stick I know we use a different thermometer, a different degree as what makes happy and what is success and all of that. But that's the reason why so many are empty and so many are dissatisfied today. Keep it simple. Keep it simple. Our faith, our family, our friends, that's what's going to bring true happiness. That's what's going to bring true joy. That's what's going to bring true commitment in this thing called life. Father, I thank you for your incredible infallible, life-altering, miracle-working word. God, I pray today that you'll use your word this morning. Lord, not the sermon that I put together, but the actual word of God. Use your word. May it not return void, but may it accomplish what you intend for it to accomplish today. In Jesus' name.